My name is Patrick J. McGinnis, and I coined the term FOMO. That's short for fear of missing out, and it's why some people end up following the crowd. But we're not like them. We're part of a new species that isn't afraid to do things differently. I call us FOMO sapiens. And this is the show where you'll meet people like us, phenomenal FOMO sapiens, to learn how they find the courage and the ideas to live exceptional lives. FOMO. FOMO. Welcome to another episode of FOMO Sapiens, the show for people who don't just follow the crowd, but instead take their own path to success in business and in life. I'm your host, Patrick J. McGinnis, venture capitalist by day, author and podcaster by night, and FOMO Sapiens 24-7. And today we're going to be talking about how to get deeper with people. You know, we have a lot of conversations, you're talking to people all the time, but how do you actually get people to tell you what is on their mind and my guest to do that is the great Dr. Mark Goulston. Now, Mark is the co-founder of Michelangelo Mindset, and he works with founders and entrepreneurs, CFOs, and all kinds of other people who hire him to help them to see into their future and then make that future happen. He is the author or the co-author of nine books with his book, Just Listen, being translated into 28 languages and becoming a top book, the top book, I should say, on listening in the world, which is good because I'm good at talking. The listening, something we can all improve on, especially me. He is also the inventor of this concept called surgical empathy, which is an approach he has used for 25 plus years with everybody from suicidal patients all the way through to people who are holding other people hostage. Because in addition to having been on the faculty of UCLA as a professor of psychiatry, Mark also was a trainer of FBI and police departments about hostage negotiations. So he really understands high pressure stakes, trying to get behind what people think and their positions, and then trying to really understand where they're going and what they need and what they want. And so on this episode, you're going to learn, first of all, you're just going to get wisdom because Mark has a lot of wisdom. He is a guy who has lived life. He's written a bunch of books. He's just an awesome human being. You're also going to better understand yourself as you hear how we can learn to understand other people. Number two, you're going to hear about his mindset that's called surgical empathy. And it's really about getting people to tell you what's going on under the surface, which we can all benefit from in business and in life. And finally, you're going to become a better listener. Now, my small ask this week is a kind of a fun one because Mark and I did a little something special. We are each going on the other person's shows. And so I am on his show this week. It's called My Wake Up Call. It's a massively popular show and he has great guests. And so I was just thrilled to be on the show. So go and listen to my interview on my wake up call. He really gets in deep, this thing where he listens to people and gets to tell them things. I felt like I got out of it. It was like a free therapy session for me. So if you want to hear what's going on in my head, what's rattling around in there, go check out my episode of my wake up call. All right. And now on to the interview. So Mark, as I said, He's a man with wisdom and profound thoughts. And so I didn't want to waste any time. And so we jumped right in with my favorite question, which is, what's the most important decision you've had to make to get to where you are today? I'm not sure I had to make it, but I've discovered something actually in the last year. And I'm pretty old, so I wish I'd discovered it earlier. And what I discovered is the name of my company, which is Michelangelo Mindset, and why it was important is it, it becomes an overarching umbrella and a defining concept that my whole life fit under. When you can find something that your whole life fits under, it becomes much more coherent and much more cohesive. 
And the way it does that is, if you think of Michelangelo's quote, I saw the angel in the marble and I carved until I set it free, what I realize is I've been doing that all my life. I was a suicide prevention specialist for 25 years when I practiced as a psychiatrist. And what I saw was hope inside suicidal people that they couldn't see or feel. And when I was able to get to the hope inside them, and they saw it and felt it, they started to cry and they started to heal. Can I share a quick anecdote? Absolutely. Uh, so I have a number of anecdotes, but this was really a kind of a game changer. Uh, there was someone I was seeing for about six months, and she was she had made three or four suicide attempts before I saw her. One of my mentors was the the pioneer in suicide prevention, uh, probably the top person, a fellow named Dr. Ed Schneidman, and he would refer me still suicidal patients out of UCLA when the residents were afraid to see them because they weren't acutely suicidal, but they didn't want to see them as outpatients. So he'd go do a consultation, and he referred me this patient along with many and this patient's name was Nancy, and I didn't think I was helping her. I was seeing her for about six months. Uh, she never made eye contact. And I used to moonlight once a month at a state hospital where I'd cover for other psychiatrists. And sometimes you don't sleep for 24 hours. You get a little bit dissociated in your mind. So there I am on Monday, and there is Nancy not looking at me in her usual state. And when I'm with her, Suddenly, all the color in the room turns to black and white, and I'm looking out, and the room is black and white, and I get these chills running through me, and I thought I was having a stroke or seizure, but since I'm a psychiatrist, not a psychologist, I did a neurologic exam on myself. I'm tapping my elbows, looking at my fingers. It wasn't rude because she never made eye contact, and then I had this crazy, crazy idea that I was looking at the world through her eyes and feeling it, and because I was sleep-deprived... I blurted this out, something that I normally wouldn't. I said, Nancy, I didn't know it was so bad, and I can't help you kill yourself. But if you do, I will still think well of you. I will miss you. And maybe I'll understand why you had to, to get out of the pain. And I thought to myself, I just blew it. I just gave her permission. I'm in trouble. First time she made eye contact with me, and that's when I learned to make incredible eye contact with people. And I thought she was going to say, thank you, I'm overdue. And I said, what are you thinking? And she looks at me and she says, if you can really understand why I might have to kill myself to get out of the pain, maybe I won't need to. And then she smiled. And then I grabbed under her eyes like I'm looking in your eyes, and I said, here's what we're going to do. I'm not going to give you any treatments that you've been through before unless you suggest or ask for a treatment. Would that be okay? Uh, and she looked at me with a look that said, I'm intrigued, keep talking. And I said, what I am going to do is I'm going to find you wherever you are. And when I get there, I'm going to keep you company because you've been there too long. Would that be okay? And her eyes started to tear up, and the color came back, the chills went away, and she came back. Wow, that is an incredible story. And you, you brought this up in the context of the Michelangelo mindset. So how does this connect back into 
the work that you've done, I guess, starting then, but now continuing on into today? The connective tissue of Michelangelo mindset is that, uh, and I'm going to demonstrate it with you right now. You'll get a feel for it. So right now, you're listening to me. You're a good venture capitalist. Uh, you're a good investor. So you're checking boxes and you're hoping that I'm making some sort of sense and I'm not going too tangential, which I'm flirting with. Uh, and so, you, so you're listening to me, but let me see if I can see if inside you're listening to me that you're listening for something. And tell me if you feel a shift in your mind, because I think what you're listening for is your listeners trust you and have confidence in you. And you want to honor them by not wasting their time. So you're looking for guests who can offer information that is relevant to your listeners, to what they need, what they're trying to solve, is clear, concise, and doable by your listeners. And when you hear that, you haven't wasted your listeners' time and you've honored their trust and confidence. And I'm glad you pulled me back on, uh, you know, off from where I was, because uh, you're also listening for people who are a waste of your listeners' time, who aren't giving them anything of value, who are too tangential, which I started out of the gate being, but you reined me in. Good hosting. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Well, it's funny because... When investors sit down, they have a template. They have a place they want to go. They're like, I want to ask you these 15 questions and then I will make a decision about whether I want to invest. Now, a lot of times they don't make a decision because investors also love to wait to have, they want a riskless decision, right? They have fear of a better option. With an interviewer like this, I know I've done my research and so I'm sort of like, well, I, I'm, I'm going to take you here or there. But you're, because you're such a skilled thinker and interviewer yourself, like you feel unconstrained by my framework, which I find really amazing at the same time. So it's a good, it's a good, um, that's where the surprises happen. FOMO. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, or delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you improve efficiency by bringing all major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move, so do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. And with rising prices everywhere you look, you got to do the math and save money. Good news. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. So head over to NetSuite.com slash FOMO. That's NetSuite.com slash FOMO. NetSuite.com slash FOMO. FOMO. So I want to ask you, I mean, what I love about talking to you is that I sense that you, you know, you have invented this concept of surgical empathy. And I feel it coming at me, and, and, and I mean that in a good way. I noticed that in all of our conversations that you're able to, and in the conversation, the, the story you told coming in, you're, you're about getting deep with people quickly. 
And, you know, in this day and age, that's not a common thing, by the way. I think you can agree. And so talk about th that because I think all of us could benefit from developing the skill of listening and being empathetic, not just with other people, but with ourselves. So I would love to just get a masterclass in that with you today. So here's a quick masterclass. I, I, uh, uh, I was a guest speaker with Daniel Kahneman in Moscow two years ago. And, and it was the two of us and Joseph Pine who wrote, I think, The Experience Economy. And Daniel Kahneman did Thinking Fast and Slow, and he now has Noise Up. And I introduced to the thousand Russian business people, uh, the, the talk was called Change Everything You Know About Communication. And what I said to them is, if I focus on you talking to me, We'll connect mind to mind. I'll give you bullet points. You'll try them. Most of them won't work. And you'll say, well, it'll work for him because he's an expert. And But if I have some good stories and I'm not too tangential for you Russians, you'll give me your mind for an hour. And then I switched to an NPR voice. Now, they heard me in Russian, but they could hear the tone of my voice. And I switched to my NPR voice or my FM voice. And I said, but if instead of focusing on you listening to me, and you giving me your mind for an hour, I focused on what you're listening for. And I got what you were listening for without you telling me, and I delivered on it. You'll give me everything. And let me see if I get what you're listening for. If you're businessmen, you're listening for something that will help you get greater positive measurable results because that's how you get promoted and you make more money and you get people to give you money. You get positive results. Is that true? Da. And you're listening for a way to get it that's less stressful because you're all drinking too much, you're eating too much. I mean, you're not in good shape and I'm sure your people are worse. So you're listening for a way to get those results in a less stressful way. Is that true? Da. That's what they said. And I said, but what you're most listening for is you're listening for me to give you a way to do it and give you tactics that are immediately doable by you and you don't have to buy a book because I haven't written this book. And you don't have to take a course which you don't have, to, which you don't have time to take because I haven't developed that course. But if I could give you tactics that are immediately doable by you, that got you better results right out of the gate, that's less stressful, it will have been worth the money you paid and a day of your time to be here. Is that true? And they went, da, da, da. I said, sit down, I got a presentation to give. But do you follow what I'm saying is that whenever you're with people, and this is every conversation, even with your families, Underneath people listening to you, are they're listening for something. And you don't have to figure it out. You just have to be, listen, you have just have to be curious with a beginner's mind. Okay, let's take that a step further. You, you've trained people in hostage negotiation. And with the business crowd, you're at a business conference. The, the context, you know, even if you get it wrong, nobody's going to bleed. But if you are in a situation where you're dealing with a, a terrorist group that has taken an entire, you know, building hostage with kids in it or something like that, how do you 
take that approach, it's a lot higher risk and figure out those things. Is it a similar kind of, are you going in with a beginner's mind or is it a totally different ball game? There's a book that I recommend to people. Uh, Just Listen's a pretty good book. It's in 28 languages and it became the top book on listening in the world uh, by word of mouth. There was no advertising or book tour or anything. But there is a book out now by Oprah Winfrey and Bruce Perry called What Happened to You? And the premise is about something called trauma-informed therapy. And the idea is that whatever someone is doing, something happened to trigger it. And so if you can believe that however and whatever they're saying, whatever they're acting, that something triggered to lead them to that. What you really want to do is get them to start sharing the narrative. I wrote a blog recently. Uh, I'll send you a link. It's called Resistance to Being Vaccinated Doesn't Exist. Resistance to Being Vaccinated Doesn't Exist. And I'm not trying to be controversial here. And I said, what really mm -hmm. exists is self-preservation on their part based on erroneous, non-functional beliefs. But the point is they attach to those beliefs and they're hesitant to listen to you because of their attachment to those beliefs. And so, uh, and so what I would recommend, I guess I made a shift from the terrorist thing, but if you're talking to someone who's refusing to be vaccinated and you think it's a good idea, you're approaching them in a judgmental way. You're not really being curious. You're trying to do a bait, a bait and vaccine with them. But if you can ask them to tell you how you decided to choose not being vaccinated, where'd they learn that from? Uh, what you're going to discover, especially in people of color, is, you know, healthcare workers talk down to us. Sometimes they look at us like we're children. They talk to us like we can't follow their instructions. Uh, and, and it's true. This bias exists. So if we have people who have talked down to us like children without respect, and it sounds like their main concern for us getting vaccinated is they don't want us to infect them or their friends, thank you very much. I'm going to believe my mother and father and if there happens to be a political party that wants to back that, I might go with that. And so do you follow me? So what you really want to do is you want to dig below. And as long as they're talking, you have time. FOMO. Tudo bem, meus queridos FOMO sapiens. Now that right there was Portuguese. And as you know, I love speaking foreign languages. But I'm not alone. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off that list with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Now, FOMO Sapiens, you know I speak four languages, and it takes work to stay on top of them, especially with French. C'est difficile. But with Babbel, I'm able to practice practical conversations that I can actually use in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash FOMO. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash FOMO. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash FOMO. Rules and restrictions may apply.
FOMO. Okay, so surgical empathy is about how you go deeper, uncover what's really going on and what people are actually thinking. So how, how do you sort of do this in the, in the field, in the real world? There is a one approach in surgical empathy that I learned from a friend of mine. A good friend of mine was the uh, uh, COO of the Marines during the 90s. So he, he actually ran the Marines. And I learned it for him, General Marty Steele. And I worked with him on a transition program from 2006 to 2008. And then the financial crisis hit, which you know very well. And when he mm -hmm. talked to Marines... One of the ways you can use surgical empathy is when someone says something to you, uh, like he would say, Marine, how's it going? Well, it's a little bit different to being in a war zone and transitioning. And he would use the five realies. Now, I understand that, but what's really going on? Well, sometimes you get into arguments with your spouse and we don't see eye to eye. Yeah, I know that happens, but what's really going on? He would say that when he got to the, f to the fifth really. Sometimes what he'd hear is he'd see a Marine and they'd look at him like a deer in the headlights and they'd say, sir, I saw and did awful things. And when I close my eyes, I see it more clearly. So I don't close my eyes much, sir. So what do you follow? What I'm getting at is when it's your tone, but knowing that you can go deeper, deeper and deeper. So what's really going on? And, and again, you say it respectfully. And, and when I do that, because I coach a lot of CEOs and founders and whatever, often, you know, you don't even have to get to the fifth, really. You get on the third or fourth, they say, uh, I think we're going to go belly up. Or I don't think we're going to get the next round. Or uh, I think I have to uh, fire my co-founder. And it's going to screw up everything. But do you follow what I'm saying? So, so I, I apologize for going 100%. on a tangent, but a lot of it's the tone of inquiry without judgment. What's really going on? I think your point is a really powerful one and that so many times, especially people who have maybe done something a bunch of times and they think they're an expert in their field, they walk into a situation, they already have a cognitive bias, they've seen it a million times, so therefore... They know how this story goes. You know, I mean, you've heard these, these are terms that people use all the time. Like, I've seen this story before and they don't take the time to even ask. And it, and it could be that. It could be with vaccine hesitation. You know, I, it could be with political views. But we either as a culture or it, given the heightened state of things in our society today, when we meet people who have differing opinions than we do or we think that they don't have the story right, rather than asking them why, we judge and it's a hugely missed opportunity because all that happens of course is that people put their guard up and then there's no chance to reconcile so that's a, a really important and powerful point to take away trying to be empathetic putting yourself in somebody's shoes by asking why or asking the five realies that's a tool that i'm going to employ going forward but i think what it really requires is your caring for the other person has to be genuine. Your caring for them has to be more important than you're doing the deal. And uh, like when I was a practicing therapist, I'm now retired, uh, I would, when I was with people, 
I was always listening for the hurt coming out. The hurt, and it's surgical empathy because I, I call that, and if you've been suicidal, you know what I'm about to say, but if you haven't, you'll just have to take my word for it. Uh, death is compassionate to hopelessness that won't go away. So what happens is people who feel hopeless, helpless, worthless, useless, powerless, meaningless, pointless, they attach to death as something that will take the pain away. They feel felt by death. So what happened with Nancy with that anecdote is she felt felt by me when I said, uh, I'll still think well of you if you kill yourself. And so she was able to detach from death as the only way out of her pain and attach to feeling felt. Yeah, that was the part of the story that, that, that really struck me is, and the surprise from my perspective, because I don't have that experience, but that it wasn't that you offered her a solution. It's that you offered her your understanding and that you were willing to be there with her and share in what she was feeling. And that was enough. It wasn't like you said, guess what? You know, I'm going to solve your money problems and you're going to walk out of here happy. That wasn't what did it. And I think, I, I, to me, I think a lot of us may not realize that, but the power of empathy and is 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 apparently quite significant. Yeah, and there's a, here's a distinction that people, because uh, uh, people are curious about this term surgical empathy. So, here's a, tell me if you yeah. can see the distinction between clinical empathy and surgical empathy. So you come in. I'm a practicing professional psychiatrist, and uh, and and we start talking. And I say, Have you been depressed? And you say, yes. And I say, how long have you been depressed? For X, uh, Have you ever thought of hurting yourself? Yes. So you're checking boxes, but there's still a gap between you as the expert with your clipboard and you're asking these, them this evaluative, evaluate questions. So see how that feels differently than my saying to you, uh, again, we're in the middle of the conversation, You've been depressed, haven't you? Yeah. There are times when you've been really depressed. Yeah. There have been times when you didn't know how you were going to make it through the next hour. Yeah. There have been times when you just would think, I, I can't make the pain go away. Is that true? Yeah. But can you see the difference or feel the difference? Yeah, I mean, you're in it with me on that one. the The level of connection, it's a complete. It's one thing is like giving a an exam. The other is sharing with me the fact that you understand who I am and what I'm going through with. So it's a completely different perspective. Uh, now, and by the way, I'm going to build on this something that your listeners can say. Okay, so he's. I don't deal with suicidal people, but here's a tactic from the book, Just Listen, and tell me how this lands with you. One of the chapters is called Fill in the Blanks. So when you ask people questions, it's a potentially challenging and adversarial relationship. So tell me how this feels different. If someone were to say to you, uh, what are your goals for this year? Perfectly legitimate question. But it's a challenge 
Whereas if I were to say, uh, mm-hmm. Patrick, your goals for this year are, and then I sort of invite you into the sentence semantically with me, can you see how it's nuanced, but it's very different? And you say what they are, and I say, and, uh, and the reason for those goals specifically are, uh, and the great results if you achieve those goals would be, but can you see how that's different than keeping the distance between you? So what are your goals for this year? Um, oh, excuse me, I did it wrong. And your goals for this year are? No, it's, no, it's interesting. <laughs> no, that that Because it worked. And you said, what are your goals? I got stumped. Oh, whoa, whoa. But if you were leaning like you really care, and your goals for this year? I'm a, apparently, I'm also a terrible listener is the takeaway. But my question for you to wrap up this conversation, because you're going to continue this conversation. We're going to continue this conversation over on your podcast, My Wake Up Call. But your goals for this year are? I'm at the stage of my life where I'm all about, I don't want to be a star. Uh, I'm all about helping people 60 and under who really do care more about making the world better than just making money. So I'm identifying those people, and I'm using everything I can to help them do that. So I make two introductions a day, and these are pretty good introductions. But yes, care about making money, but I'm only interested with people who I feel aren't just saying the words. They were already up to something to make the world better because I feel a sense of urgency for reasons that you and I know about. All right, everybody, FOMO sapiens, that's definitely us. All the people listening here could benefit from your work. So go check out the podcast at My Wake Up Call or Mark's website, which is markgulston.com, which is M-A-R-K-G-O-U-L-S-T-O-N.com. Dr. Mark Gulston, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Patrick. FOMO. Can't get enough of FOMO Sapiens? Join me on Patreon for ad-free episodes, bonus material, and exclusive content that will help you to master FOMO and position yourself for greater success in both business and life. Go to patreon.com slash FOMO Sapiens to learn more. You can also connect with me on Instagram at Patrick J. McGinnis, on Twitter at PJ McGinnis, and on LinkedIn. I love hearing from you, so don't be shy. FOMO Sapiens is recorded in New York City. Theme music is by Mike McGinnis, and editing and post-production is by Josh Elstrom. If you like today's show, please be sure to rate it and recommend it to your friends. And as always, you can find me at FOMOSapiens.com and at PatrickMcGinnis.com. To advertise on FOMO Sapiens, reach out to contact at FOMOSapiens.com. FOMO.